Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person a child. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with guest co-host Soul Squad. We are the return of Intelligent Radio. We love to ask the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media as we push the envelope constantly with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am glad to have on a special guest with us this morning, along with Soul Squad. So we have Dr. J. Parker Griffin. Thank both of you for being with us this Early Saturday morning, appreciate you for coming on to the Mental Dialogue. I have my truth seekers out there listening. Uh, I'm glad, again, glad to have you all on. We'll start with you, our special guest, um, Dr. Griffin. If you will subscribe, say hello to you as well. Uh, and if you will, Dr. Griffin, give us a little bit of your background. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Montoya, for having me on to talk about a very important topic. As far as my background is concerned, I am a behavior therapist, behavioral counselor in private practice with ThriveWorks Marietta in Marietta, Georgia. And I specialize in working with people who are suffering from emotional, sexual, and physical abuse from narcissists. And so um, I have really kind of like 40 years of experience in the field of the behavioral wow. sciences. Yeah. But um, my heart goes out for the survivors of emotional abuse because it's far more devastating and and broad-based than a lot of people realize. Well, we are absolutely glad to have you. So, subscribe again, thank you for being my guest co-host this morning, Queen, if you will. Say hello to the truth seekers and Dr. Griffin, and if you will, there's any background you want to share before we get started on this morning's discussion question. Oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. 
What now? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, uh, Truth Seekers, uh, Montoya and uh, Dr. Griffin. Um, nice to uh, be here again co-hosting uh, such a, a wonderful um, show that, you know, allows us to explore uh, deeper. I'm Soul Scribe, the poet, and, um, you know, I, I definitely have some backgrounds um, in in dating narcissists, I didn't know that there was a specific uh, doc type of doctor that deals with that kind of trauma um, outside of, you know, the regular therapist. So that's good information, I think, for everyone to know as well and to search for something, you know, a little bit deeper and meaningful in their, in their healing. So I'm looking forward to today's show um, and, uh, you know, exploring this deeper. No, absolutely. I was very fortunate, uh, so subscribe to meet Dr. Griffin at an event um, um, here in Atlanta, and was surprised just as yourself as I seen him. Um, he also he didn't mention it, but we kind of threw it out. He has a, a psychological thriller where he writes a book about, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a fictional book from what I understand. But either way, he definitely is uh, obviously well versed in this area. He can write a book about it, you know, even from a fictional standpoint. But either way, I saw him promoting <laughs> his book, and that I found that to be unique that that ended up being his area of focus because, like yourself, I have, again, we have a lot of relationships with psychotherapy. We invite them into the mental dialogue community all the time, which makes sense, mental dialogue, right? So we obviously uh, like to build mm -hmm. relationships with people like yourself, Dr. Griffin, but, again, uh, we're surprised to see you focus specifically in this area. Uh, as we always do at this time for the opening of our show, again, the discussion question this morning is, oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? And so we're always what I always like to um, do, and uh, so subscribe as my co-host, I'm actually going to start with you ladies first in this sense. Um, I was like to ask, what was your first thought once you seen the show title itself, if you can recall your first initial thought, um, if you will, Queen, um, share that, and Dr. Griffin will ask you your uh, initial thought when you uh, understood how we were going to word the question this morning, but we'll start with you again, uh, so subscribe. Thank you, Queen. Go ahead. Gosh, uh, when I first saw the topic, um, <laughs> all of what you sent me seemed to be, you know, dead on. My biggest thing was, wow, that's a great question that a lot of people don't really think about. And so, um, <laughs> because once you're in it with a narcissist, you're kind of like trying to get out of it. So I thought that was an excellent way to um, <coughs> to introduce it because people do need to think about their uh, mental stability and how to escape narcissism. Uh, absolutely. First thoughts for you as well, Dr. Griffin, when you just, again, heard in particular how we chose to word this morning's discussion question. Obviously, this is an area of expertise for you, but again, just how, what did you think when you heard how we chose to, in a sense, approach this morning's discussion? Well, one thing that I wanted to mention regarding the book, you mentioned the book, The 25th Demon, uh, one in 25 people in the community is a uh, narcissist, and the demon part has to do with the inner struggles that the narcissist experiences throughout his life. Mm. And the reason that I'm really kind of interested in this topic is I want people to understand the connection between early childhood abuse and neglect and the development oh. of personalities like narcissism. So I decided to educate people through a story, even though in the back of the book it talks about characteristics of narcissism, how to recognize them, and then how to protect yourself from narcissism. So as far as the topic of the show is concerned, it kind of touches my heart 
because of the survivors that I treat in private practice who come in not really having any understanding of what they're experiencing. They just know there's something wrong. And so just learning what they're experiencing in and of itself is therapeutic and healing for many of them. Sometimes in just one or two sessions, it's like an eye-opening experience, like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. Oh, wow, that makes sense because I know in just kind of preparing for the show, I kept consistently seeing two things. Both of you actually mentioned it. Soul Scribes, you in a sense said the idea of exiting a situation. That was, I mean, literally, I saw things on YouTube talking about how to exit the situation. Like that's the hard part. Is like even when you become, you know, I, I aware that you want to get out. It's not that simple with the narcissist, from what I understand. And then <laughs> exactly, uh, Griffin, you just mentioned. Oh, uh, really? I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was going to mention that you mentioned the idea of people even not being aware of what's happening to them. So that's very unique. You know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of things we have, we just don't get go, go get help for it. But if you don't understand what's happening to you, it becomes even more difficult. I'm sorry, Dr. Griffin, go ahead. We've got a, about a minute for a break. Go ahead. I'm sorry about that, Dr. Griffin, go ahead. Well, there are some people who may be in a relationship for 10, 15, 20 years and never come to the realization that they are in an abusive relationship until they come to wow. therapy. And, yeah, I've had uh, survivors to tell me they've been to five or six therapists, and none of them brought up the specter of the possibility of a narcissistic mate or parent or a family member or friend. It can be any of the above, supervisor, whatever. There's 19 million estimated in the United States alone, and they harm up to 158 million uh, citizens of the country. That's almost happening. Oh, my five. goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we definitely have a certified expert on this morning, Soul Scribe. So, uh, we, like you said, if you can go to therapists and not even realize that somebody they're dealing with is on the spectrum, we're going to go to a quick break. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to explore how that happens. I have an idea based on the research I saw, but, of course, again, we have an expert, so we don't have to rely on what I saw. We'll have to get, get it straight from the, in the quote-unquote horse's mouth, if you will. We'll be right back. We're going to our first initial break. We'll this morning's discussion question. Oh my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? With special guest co host, Soul Scribe, as well as Dr. J. Parker Griffin, psychotherapist and author of The 24th Demon. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, along with special guest co-host, ProScribe. Our special guest this morning is Dr. Griffin with this morning's discussion question. I'm in love with the narcissist. What 
now. So that was very interesting, Dr. Griffin, right before the break. You said, hey, even sometimes therapists are unable to assess that maybe somebody they're dealing with is, go, is deal, in relationship with a narcissist. And here's my guess, just from, again, just kind of looking into this, and this is definitely, I mean, I would, I think you would agree, is a growing phenomenon. Again, as I research it, I already hear people talking about it all the time. You see more articles on it. But here's my guess on how even maybe a professional might miss it, which, again, a little surprising to me to hear you say that. But is I would assume that the, pay, you know, in a sense, the client, I guess you, I should call them, uh, if they're approaching this person saying, hey, there's something wrong, that that they're in discussing it with the client, my guess is that that client is brought so much into the narrative that's been kind of delivered to them by this narcissist that that it, that they deal with that the that the uh, I'm sorry that the therapist is actually dealing with what they're hearing directly with, without realizing that narrative is is a, a manipulated a manipulated narrative. That they that they just don't become aware of it because they don't talk to the other partner or are able to recognize it. Again, that's my guess, just due to how manipulative narcissists can be and how it confuses the other person quite often. But again, obviously you can correct me, but that's my guess on how a, a professional might miss this as well. Go ahead, Doctor Green. Well, that that's exactly correct, Montoya. The thing is that the manipulation and the seductive kind of exploit exploitative approach is part of the narcissist's job. They've been doing this. Usually they've been in like, they can be in uh, 15, 20 uh, serious relationships over the period of decades, and they are uh, students of human behavior. And so they study people to understand how to push people's buttons and how to uh, uh, manage down expectations and so on and so forth. And so they slowly but surely go through a process of managing down expectations so that the person is um, unaware that they've been slapped upside the head until they start bleeding emotionally, you know. And there's a process that takes place as far as the narcissistic cycle is concerned. It's love bombing. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, love bunny, and then they start to um, uh, criticize and to control, and then they discard. Okay, so they start out like giving you un, an un, uh, how do you say, unlimited amount of attention and praise and attention, mm-hmm. uh, contacting you by text and um, just kind of like hanging out and all this kind of thing until they get you in their clutches. And then once they do that, they go into the devaluation phase where they uh, say you can do no right. Everything that you do is problematic, and your judgment is off, and you, you're crazy and you have problems, whatever. But once the jig is up and the targeted person realizes that they're in the throes of this dysfunctional relationship that can never go anywhere, the narcissist realizes that they can't maintain their control, and so that's when they mm-hmm. discard the person as if they never knew them. It's like a piece of gum off the bottom of their shoe. Wow. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So my, And it's kind of further exploring that walking into a therapist who misses this issue. Uh, my, again, 
So obviously they're they're hearing that manipulated narrative. So I so based on what that narcissist may have told that person, hey, hey, you know you you may have a problem. So I I assume that sometimes the person goes in trying to deal with a problem a problem with this from this because this person they love has told them they have this unique problem. So they just go to the therapist and says, I'm struggling with this. And and I, I'm I'm you know so you it's like you, so in that situation you're actually getting professional help, but not the help that you need. Uh, again and again, this is just my guess. And so for you as a, uh, in, you know, in this position, what do you? How do you weed through if a client kind of comes to you and says, "Hey, I'm you know I'm working. I'm trying to make things better with my guests." Because as you said, this is a situation that kind of that can't work, right? It won't work because of how the narcissist is pulling off, pull off this entire situation. So this person is saying, hey, I want to try to make this work, so hey, I come to see you. How are you able to, in a sense, pick up on and, and figure that out, whereas maybe others who are not as um, keen to this particular area, what do what you how, what do you notice to, to kind of get through that and say, hey, you know what, it's not you. Here's the situation that's going on. Like how do you even address that for someone if that makes sense? And and and, and well, so, Scribe, you can definitely jump in um, after he responds. Sorry. I'm very skeptical of what anybody tells me when they come in for <laughs> therapy. Is that's concerned? Okay. So, yeah, I don't believe any of them. But you know, okay. I look for I look for the signs that seem to suggest a particular direction, and I tell them if you are in a relationship with a narcissist then these are the kinds of things that you might want to consider as far as your options. I don't give advice. I just identify areas that they might want to pursue as far as their health and well-being is concerned. But I ask them questions about the behavior that their partner is exhibiting toward them, and then I start adding up two and two and two. And, you know, when I start to get four and that kind of thing, then Mm -hmm. it kind of gives them belief that, they may be dealing with the narcissist. And see, there's uh, one understanding that people have is that narcissism, from a developmental point of view, is a healthy component of human development that all of us is supposed to have as far as expressing our needs and our position and speaking up for ourselves up to a point. But when it becomes an overbearing kind of uh, need to castigate and exploit and manipulate other people, especially after age 18, such that it uh, has a detrimental influence on our mate, then that's when we're moving into the narcissistic realm and the diagnostic traits that are associated with it. There's nine. You have to have five out of nine to get the diagnosis. Okay. Uh, makes sense. So, Scrub, I know again you mentioned having some um, run-ins with this, you know, the situation, you know, in itself. So, uh, um, does anything I said sound familiar, or anything particular that you were, you know, again we have an expert on the on the line with us. So, anywhere you want to go, Queen, jump in, please. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, well, of course, I almost married a narcissist uh, that ended in January. So, <laughs> um, I'm I've been doing a lot of research on this uh, topic and looking at the characteristics and things and red flags that I, you know, uh, want to pay attention to in the future and dating. Um, but one thing that when you're talking about the therapist, because I am in therapy, is that I noticed that my therapist even though I have already told her, you know, that I know he's, you know, um, he's, he's exhibited narcissistic behavior. Uh, she has been very, um, I guess, what's the word, standoffish from that because she doesn't, 
it appears that she doesn't want to diagnose someone that uh, she doesn't know and or because she isn't a doctor. Um, so she kind of strays away from that conversation when I bring up, you know, the the things that I, you know, experienced from that person and, the, and when I want to talk about the narcissism part, she kind of says, well, we don't know, you know. And so it's interesting because she's more interested in trying to help me, which has been, she's been a great help, but at the same time, it's as if she kind of taps out when it comes to the medical term and the medical part of it and, you know, really understanding what I've experienced. Um, so there's a, a little bit of a detachment because I think legally I feel like she doesn't want to feel like have some responsibility and diagnosing someone she hasn't met. Do you think that has something to do with why therapists might miss it when someone goes in and they're like, I've been through quite a bit of trauma and this is what I've experienced and I believe that this might be narcissism why therapists might, you know, stray away from having that conversation? I think that one, I think that that's a very astute observation on your part. I think that one of the reasons that therapists are reluctant to talk about the mate in terms of diagnosis is the fact that sometimes you get the narcissist in the therapy session and they're blaming the mate for being a narcissist. You know what I'm saying? So they're mm-hmm. projecting dysfunctionality and the uh, pathology on their mate when, in fact, they're the ones who are exhibiting the trait, you know. And sometimes you can have mm-hmm. two narcissists in a relationship. It's not, oh. you know, common, but you can have two narcissists in a, in a symbiotic relationship with each other. So for that reason, what I do as a behaviorist is to just focus on the healthy healing kinds of behaviors that the client can employ in order to manage the situation. Hey, it sounds like those two narcissists need each other, Dr. Griffith. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm being facetious. We're going to get the callers in too. So just, we're, we're going to open up. Go ahead, Soskar. We'll open the whole line in a second. Go ahead. Oh, um, gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. That was funny. Um, I, I, I totally lost my thought when you said that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you were pulling back together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let me let the callers know they can get in if they want. If anybody out there is wanting to list, uh, wanting to get in with Dr. Griffin, please push one to let us know if you're already on the phone lines. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You will need to press one to let us know that you want to speak to it. Again, this morning's discussion question, oh, my God, I'm in love with the nurses. Narcissist, what now? I have a question for you, so Scriber. Again, if you get your thought, come back. You know, obviously, just jump it in whenever. A thought I have for you is, um, again, you are so you wisely are are using therapy. You know, something that we always encourage here on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Something that our community needs in all areas, not this just this one. So wisely, you already use therapy as a you know kind of a regular part of your life. Um, but but in you asking that question or even sharing that with your therapist. Uh, my question to you is, um, when did you maybe start to recognize or, or understand that that might be your situation? Because as Dr. Griffin said, most people are kind of walking in and saying, hey, I don't quite know what's going on here. So they're not they're not even maybe suggesting that. And you were able to, uh, 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 to suggest that. So when did you even notice it, if I could ask you that question, in your own situation? Um I didn't know what was going on. I talked to a friend of mine um, who's an author, and she um, had wrote a blog on narcissism. 
and she's a good friend of mine in Alabama, and I was telling her, you know, some of the things that I was experiencing from him, and she said, this is what that is. I mean, I was telling her about the name calling, the degrading, the, you know, the manic episodes that we have, like all of those things, and she put it together, and she sent me uh, two two links that she had um, wanted me to, you know, check out, and when I read them, I was like, oh, my God, like, Wow. And um, it really came, you know, to, you know, for me to understand what I was dealing with. And then I started exploring the term a little bit deeper. And I was like, wow, okay, this is definitely all these things I dealt with, you know, um, from the love bombing to the, to the um, gaslighting, the, you know, making me feel small, the, you know, the person was very absorbed in themselves and wanting constant praise and immediate, you know, responses, like, all of the control factors, everything was there. So I was like, okay, wow. So she shared that with me. And if it weren't for her, I probably wouldn't have known what I was really doing with at the time. Um, but as I realized what I was doing with it, made it clear that I needed to get therapy and I needed to get some help because um, I just, it was a horrible feeling. And so I reached out to my doctor and, you know, told her what was going on. And, you know, I'm a therapist, sorry. So, you know, that's kind of how that went. Um, I just ha- so happened to be expressing to a friend who was excited for me in the marriage, you know, that I was, you know, the engagement. And then, you know, of course, a lot of things took a quick turn. Um, and, um, you know, she was able to kind of guide me through that process with a few articles on, you know, what I needed to do. And that kind of helped me get out of that situation. Right, and, you know, me getting to know you, you know, I, you know, I became aware of it kind of, I'm almost kind of after the fact or whatever, you, and, you know, from what I understand, you know, you're still kind of, you know, getting through that situation because it wasn't an easy one, but based on what I heard Dr. Griffin say, to a certain extent, you were a lucky one and didn't get married because I heard Dr. Griffin say some people are experiencing this with the person for 10 to 15 years. So, again, I, I'm, you know, you can speak to anything mm-hmm. you heard Soul Scribe say, uh, Dr. Griffin, if you will, but just even the concept of somebody pulling this off for a full, you know, 10 years or actually getting married to to someone who, if what I understand, one aspect, again, I, like, I think you mentioned five out of nine to be actually diagnosed with a disorder, uh, but one thing they're not known for is sincere empathy, if I understand that. But, again, Dr. Griffin, jump in, you know, wherever you will, but for somebody to pull it off for 10 years, that's, I couldn't imagine that type of abuse for that long. But go ahead, um, Dr. Griffin. Well, you know, the interesting thing about the experience of uh, being an intimate partner with a narcissist is, the way that it plays out, I have had some clients who said, I don't understand, did they go to narcissist school or what? Because you can have one in New York, you can have one in Seattle, one in Atlanta, one in Miami. They're all doing the same. They're all different, you know? And so uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't the sexual abuse and the physical abuse. That's pretty straightforward. You know, it is what it is but they don't understand the most sinister part of the interaction, and that's the part that your co-host was talking about, and that is the emotional um, put-downs and criticisms and the gaslighting and all the other techniques that they use over a period of years and years. And so the person has to come up with some strategies in order to just to maintain to stay in the relationship. I have one client that I'm aware of who – the female was a uh, narcissist. And so a lot of times he, in order to survive living in the household, 
would have to go sleep on the couch because he could wake up at any time, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and she's ready to – she's beating the crap out of him while he's oh, wow. asleep. So, yeah, so, you know, what happens over a period of time with the different forms of emotional and physical and sexual abuse is that the target of the abuse develops either post-traumatic stress disorder or more likely – complex post-traumatic stress disorder, not unlike they were in Iraq or Iran uh, in a war zone. Mm. Wow. Uh, any of that stands out to you? So, Scott, we've got several calls on the line. If you just got on the line and want to get in on this discussion, ask a question, make a point, please press 1 to let us know if you want to speak. If you're online, the number to get in is 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, you do need to press one. So, subscribe. Anything that Dr. Griffin is, you know, pointing out, you know, that makes, that, you know, you want to speak to, please do. Oh yes, absolutely. You know, uh, what he said was, you know, definitely good on with the the stress, the post traumatic stress um, <laughs> that you you get from being involved with someone like that. It is, you know, um, emotionally you feel that, um, and it, it's. Um, it is really hard to explain it, but it almost feels like you're dying in a way, in a sense of slow death, and um, you're just extremely depressed and sad, and, you know, it's um, there's, a, I guess, a process of grieving that goes on, but it's just, um, it's, it's traumatic to you emotionally, so, you know, um, and definitely, as long, the longer you stay, the, the worse it is, so I, I totally agree with him. It's totally good. No, right their, objective, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. their objective is to throw you off, to make you question your own judgment about your decision-making. And so it's a constant barrage of insults, micro-insults, questioning of your judgment, your capabilities, and so on. Mm-hmm. So you eventually get to a place where it's like you don't know if you can trust anything that comes out of your mouth, your brain, or anything else, and you just feel beat down, <laughs> uh, no self-esteem, self-worth, mm-hmm. and depression, like mm-hmm. this, which could lead to heavy drinking and suicide attempts. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I got a question for you, so subscribe when we come out of the break. We got one more, the break we're up against, so when we come back, we'll continue this morning's discussion. Oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. They 
shout out to our sponsor, Money Motivation. Definitely go check out their website, moneymotivation.com, and get some of the freshest gear you can wear. They are definitely focused on those who are out there being entrepreneurs, trying to get to it. This morning's discussion question, oh, my God, I'm in love with a narcissist. What now? Special guest co-host, Soul Scribe, as well as special guest Dr. Griffin. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Griffin. One other question for you, Soul Scribe. Again, um, sounds like, in a sense, you had a good friend that kind of, hey, pointed out, hey, here's maybe, you know, here's what's possibly going on with you and your relationship, as you said, almost married to a narcissist. And again, um, as someone who cares about you, glad that you didn't go take that step. Um, But even in getting um, made aware of it, uh, how long did it take? Were you in love at that point? I mean, obviously, if you're about to marry someone, I would assume so to a certain extent. Uh, But either way, uh, even getting aware of it, you know, in a sense, what was your process and how long was it? Because what I understand, exiting these mythical situations can be very difficult. But go ahead, Quinn. Gosh, what was the process? Um, of course, yes, definitely uh, was in love with him. Um, still care very much for him, but I know that it is, you know, destructive and there's no, you know, possibility of being around someone like that. Um, but the process, it really was just, you know, in you know, when you, you, you have a relationship, you break up, and, you know, you're sad, and you're going through that, and you're just feeling empty. Uh, there was, you know, he and I tried to kind of work things out afterwards. There was a lot of back and forth. You know, one day he, you know, would be insulting me and telling me how horrible of a person I am the next day. I don't know how I'm going to live the rest of my life without you. You know, there was a lot of, you know, back and forth, you know, at the end, in there. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Wednesday I was. Hey, let me jump in real quick to with Subscribe real quick because there's one particular thing I want to kind of just clarify on my question, and and again you mm-hmm. definitely describe your um, process. What in particular mm-hmm. when you when your friend made you aware? I'm, I'm kind of my yes. concern with my specific question is how long before you were able to in a sense mm-hmm. kind of get out of it. Maybe the initial time you if you got the back. I don't know if you got back together. You maybe describing that y'all did go back and forth. But I'm that how long mm-hmm. was my, kind of my initial thing. I wanted to get out how of it. Long? And you can still oh, go through gosh. your process. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just wondering. I would say it was a couple. It was a couple. I want to say it was about a month. You know, that happened. It was completely let go. Say it took about two or three months to kind of really, really get out of that situation with no communication and no no talking or anything. So that I would say that, that once I realized what I was dealing with, you know, of course there was the mm-hmm. back and forth and it was like, oh, are we going to work it out? Are we going to be together? The I love you or I hate you. And then, you know, me starting therapy and, and starting to work through that and my own emotions and, and what I was dealing with, doing all the self-care things that I could do for myself and realizing, recognizing my own value. You know, my, I had my friends, my girlfriends who, you know, send me inspirational, you know, text or call me and check on me. So there was like, there was a process of over the course of the months of really recognizing that that person was toxic and I didn't need to be with them. So, and of course the steps were, you know, having a group of friends around who knew what I was dealing with and, and, and had dealt with it before you know, having, you know, a therapist and going regularly, um, you know, journaling, getting back into things that I enjoyed doing that I was kind of pulled out of when I was dating, <laughs> um, getting back out into the poetry community, um, just really 
reconnecting with because it was like as if I was alienated from a lot of things while I was in a relationship right. with friends, the family, right. and even my poetry community. Um, so I was just really like, it's like I was coming back into the world for some reason. It's, it's a weird way to explain it. Um, but um, yeah, so that was. I'm pretty sure Dr. Griffith can explain that process because, again, that's what I wanted to kind of focus on was as I kept doing this research. The, the, like it seems like exiting these situations seems very difficult. So, Dr. Griffith, you could speak to again. That's the what now of this morning's question. Um, so, somebody's already in love or in a relationship, and and you know, unfortunate for Soul Scribe, somebody kind of gave her uh, insight. Hey, that's what you're dealing with. She was in a sense fortunate in that sense. But what about the what now? What is the exiting part like with someone who has turned your own thinking upside down, as you mentioned before the break? Go ahead, Dr. Griffith. Well, the reason that it's so difficult to exit the relationship is that it's a dysfunctional pathological bond that the narcissist um, cultivates and nurtures in the person in the relationship. And so some people refer to it, that bond, as a trauma bond. In the faith community, they call it a soul tie. Um, In the scientific community, a lot of them refer to it as Stockholm Syndrome. So... Essentially what it is is that you're falling in love with your captor, but the part that uh, people in the relationship don't realize is that the narcissist is incapable of a healthy love dynamic because a healthy love dynamic is a give and take between two individuals who care about each other. But in Mm -hmm. a narcissistic relationship, it's conditional. So it's kind of you give and I take. And it's all about the right, is take, take, take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as getting out, what I do for, uh, as a behaviorist is I use conditioning, scientific conditioning principles in order to decondition the person and break the bond with the individual. And so I had them to teach themselves how not to fall prey to the yearnings that they have, the Jones, you know, that Jones, you see that person's mm-hmm. face. You, the, uh, you have triggers or reminders of the things that you all did together, the sexual experience that you had with each other or whatever that facilitated the bond in the first place. And then I engage in those things that help to counteract that. And so that usually takes um, like she was saying, oftentimes if, if they if, if it's an intense process of deprogramming, it could be about a couple months, but there's still going to be residual uh, ties. It could be up to like two years, three years, while the person is engaging in self-care, just like she said, and finding themselves feeling comfortable in their own skin, self-care things, doing things uh, to pamper themselves, male, male or female, by the way. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's the process. Uh, as you mentioned, the genders there, for what I understand, you tip, you will, uh, at least from, again, to me just doing the research, uh, men typically more so made, uh, on this scale more so than women, uh, but, again, women as well, but more so men, is whom, at least what I looked up. There's a term that we've used a couple of times I want to make sure uh, people are familiar with it. So if you will, you got to uh, – Dr. Griffin, y'all mentioned the term gaslighting. And so some people don't know what that is, but either way, could you explain that in detail? And it probably would help somebody out 
who might be in that situation, who's listening, who may be listening because they're in the situation. You know, maybe uh, we, we, we typically get a lot. Of, I got people on the line, but they're not hitting that one, which is fine. People can't call and just listen, but I know for sometimes certain topics we do, uh, people, which is I understand, are not necessarily wanting to reveal it publicly. So, hey, we got people out there listening and maybe they have an opportunity to learn what is gaslighting uh, specifically for Dr. Griffin. Essentially, gaslighting is lying about the target person, the victim's experience of the world. So let's just say you go to dinner on Tuesday, and you have this nice candlelight dinner at your favorite restaurant, and you engage in, in all of these Google-like kind of exchanges, and you just have a really wonderful time, whatever. And then, like, a couple, two or three days later, uh, the target brings up the discussion or wants to talk about the experience that they had, and it's like, oh, wow, didn't we have a wonderful dinner at Papa Do's on Tuesday? And the narcissist is like, dinner? What dinner? What are you talking about? Are you crazy? I was at the game. I went to the game with my buddies on Tuesday. I don't know what you're talking about, but you, know, you must be off. And then, you know, they start questioning and, and trying to diminish or minimize the person's view of their actual world experience as if it didn't happen. So it's really lying to them about the reality of the situation. So when that happens again and again and again and again, the gaslighting and everything, then the person in conjunction with the other manipulation control techniques, they begin to just really kind of fall apart emotionally as far as their self-confidence and their belief and their ability to make healthy judgments. Does that make sense? No, nah, yeah. nah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, I think like you said, and again, I, I mean, even from watching and learning, you know, the manipulation can be very keen, but, yeah, that was kind of, an, uh, I think, somewhat of an extreme example to help someone who maybe didn't understand it or haven't heard the term. That makes sense. So that person, it, you know, tell, tell me from right here, but that person starts to question, was that actually Tuesday or uh, maybe it was Monday? And again, it's just to confuse them on, uh, you know, again, their own thinking so that they can stay, as you said, in control. Because the one thing that you mentioned is the idea as long as they're in control, then I guess to a certain extent they're not going to go to that third stage, which is the starting you process, because if you don't realize, like a soul scribe was fortunate enough to realize she needed to get out and go through a process of getting out, then they can hurt you by discarding you, but only once they feel like they're losing control. At least that's how I understood you to explain that. But you can go a little further uh, with that if you will, Dr. Griffin. They're not going to give any pushback to the control that the narcissist is trying to exhibit. And another thing that your co-host mentioned that is uh, kind of relevant is oftentimes the narcissist tries to cut the target off from their friends and family because they don't want anyone else to provide validation of the target's experience. So if they start talking to the, their family and friends about the things that they're observing in the in their relationships, then the friend or family might start to validate their perceptions, and then that offsets the narcissist's attempt to control. In the 25th Demon book, the story illustrates gaslighting and a lot of the other manipulation and control techniques that are listed in the back that the narcissist use. And so it's, it's a way through the story of giving people in the community insight about 
what narcissistic abuse is really like. Yeah, it sounds extremely interesting. And, you know, before we, you know, I know we only have it for the first hour of the show, so we can definitely give even more details um, at the top of the hour before we, um, you know, because the book sounds interesting. I would definitely, uh, get, you know, like a psychological thriller, but, again, people are learning while they're enjoying. So that's definitely, a, I call that edutainment, so definitely a, a, a great a great thing. So, Scribe, any questions for Dr. Griffin or anything that you, you know, kind of want to bring to the table? Again, I'm sitting here learning and hoping that we're getting, you know, people maybe picking up on things um, that they need. Well, I really want to go after the break. We just, I just don't want to do it before the break, so I want to get fully into two aspects before we um, let Dr. Griffin go, which is, the the idea of in a sense what the narcissist as he mentions the, the demon the twenty fifth demon what they are experiencing what they're dealing with and um, to also get in depth about in a sense your experience Dr Griffin as far as someone having been through that abuse to the you know to the highest extent and what is that what is that like for them in a sense bringing them out of it again because you say you have a heart for it so I know you've seen a lot so definitely you know, get into that um, before the break. Well, we got about a minute before break, so I don't know if there's anything you want to show up, throw out, um, subscribe uh, real quick before we go to the break. Are you want to know if Are I had good? any questions? Yeah, yeah I'll just I'm check good. in. Yeah, just check in um, before break. Again, I wanted to get into those two areas while we have them for another segment, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't, that was anything that you had before we went to break. Uh, just wanted to say he mentioned, you know, the whole lying aspect. I just wanted to like um, piggyback that and say that, you know, um, usually it starts out with small lies or you think like a small white lie, but I just wanted to say that there is no small white lie. A lie is a lie. And if you notice it, tonight really ignore it because um, if they'll lie about something small, then it's, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> nah, That's good. No, absolutely. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, let's explore again. Uh, you know what? What is life like for the narcissists themselves? Because um, it sounds like they're incapable. I think I've heard you mention this, Doctor Griffin, of having a healthy relationship. So we'll get into that, and we'll be right back. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or a service you would like to get out to all, to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly again at 404-604-9477 or inbox me on Facebook or the IG page, which is mental underscore dialogue. Special guest co-host, Soul Scribe, and special guest, Dr. Griffin, as we are discussing, oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? Again, I see a couple of people on the phone line. If you want to get in, you do need to press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. So for, for anybody that's experienced this uh, for, in a sense, a long time, what type of things have you seen as far as, in a sense, getting them back to normal. And that process may not be very easy. I mean, again, we're forced up to have Soul Scribe kind of telling us her, her story. Um, but, again, I'm pretty sure you've seen 
the, the whole gamut when it comes to this. Uh, you know, what does that look like? And uh, we again getting someone back to normal. Well, what I do is I walk them through gaining a better understanding of the um, parameters of their dysfunctional experience so that they can ask themselves, you know, can I live with this? And what measures can I take in order to help myself to grow and to uh, develop and be a happier person? Because they're there in therapy because they're completely unhappy, uh, depressed, as Larry said very often. <clears throat> and so my objective is I, I tell them that the narcissist stole something from you, your self-worth, your self-confidence, your self-esteem, and guess what? We're going to steal it back. And so that's what I focus on, trying to rebuild all of those elements of their um, way of thinking about themselves so that they can feel good about themselves and learn how to redesign themselves and to manufacture a happy lifestyle. Now, it sounds beautiful as I'm listening to you, again, kind of moving into the other side of it. If we could speak to that, I, I, again, doing my research, I end up coming across uh, the, uh, one of the authors of, um, like some, I think if I'm saying it correctly, Narcissism Narciss, Epidemic, if I'm saying the title correctly, uh, which came out almost a decade ago, or actually longer than a decade ago. But it was, even in seeing that author speak about it, uh, they were talking about how this, in a sense, there was an increase um, in this, the, the, of, of this issue. Um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we all have some level of narcissism, as you mentioned, as as um, narcissistic behavior. I guess maybe I should say um, that is healthy or whatever. But there is a point in which it moves to an unhealthy point. And you mentioned, um, sadly enough, that um, there are ex- experiences that often have happened or maybe didn't happen in some of these people's lives that, in a sense, move them maybe to the dangerous aspect. So, it, you know, obviously, if we will, if it is growing, and, and I've even heard and I've done a show where we talk about how even social media and how we look to get our likes and feelings and things of like that, how that plays into, you know, increasing this, becoming an issue. And you already mentioned the numbers early on the show, but if you will, you know, let's talk about that side, what type of experience, how can parents ensure that they're doing things to ensure they're not, uh, you know, in a sense, adding or basically birthing more narcissists into into the world, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Dr. Griffin. I'm glad you bring that point up because that's the underlying reason that I'm really kind of focusing on telling the story about narcissism so people can become more aware of the link between uh, abuse and neglect and the development of narcissism. And that neglect also can include overindulgence, that is um, an approach that some people Mm -hmm. refer to as affluenza, that is giving kids too much. And so Mm -hmm. if you're referring to African-Americans who had a kind of deprived experience initially, the parents had to struggle and kind of make their way up to middle class or upper middle class standard or whatever, then they have their kids and they're so busy chasing the dollar and Visa and MasterCard and American Express that they really don't have time for the kids. If the kid is, like, really attractive and um, kind of uh, outspoken, you know, uh, strong personality stuff, then the parent is giving them everything except the answer no. 
they're traveling from pillar to post, you know, flying from one country to another. And then when they come home, they don't have any time for the kids. And they, so the, the child does not experience the support, the encouragement, and the love and guidance that they need. So they begin to think that they're entitled to anything that comes their way. And so that's when they start to exploit everything around them. The other approach, the abuse approach, that is the physical and the mental put down. The mother had fallen in love with a married man. She says, when are you going to leave your wife? And it's like, leave my wife? Well, i got kids. What are you talking about? So she has the baby. And when the baby comes, then the baby reminds her of the biological father and experiences her wrath for the next 15 years put down, oh, you remind me of your father. I wish I never had you. I should have had an abortion. I hate you. You're the worst thing that ever happened in my life. Those two forms of abuse cause the kid to go into his head in order to escape a um, detrimental situation, create a fantasy world mm. and a, uh, a facade that results in their uh, gaining control over other people in order to protect themselves. Wow, that know. makes a lot of sense, so Scott. Yeah, no, no, that that's a, you said a whole lot. I think those are you know very succinct um, perspectives on you know how it could happen from a couple of perspectives. So Scott, anything you want to jump in on? I'm just hearing him describe that. I'm out. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Queen. Wow, that's um, <laughs> yeah, that that is um, an interesting um, view on it. You know, sometimes you never know what's happened to a person, and. And as someone who is, you know, an empath, you know, you find yourself, you know, feeling sorry for a lot of the trauma that a narcissist has experienced in their life with their family and, you know, friends or coworkers. And that's a lot of times that's your biggest fail is like, oh, wow, they will be, their parents did this to them or that happened to them. And, then, you know, you can, you can suck in that at the same time. A narcissist, you know, needs to be, you know, in treatment and, you know, getting care for their, their, their uh, depression or, or mental illness. And, and so uh, a lot of times find out whether or not they are being treated and what their self-care looks like and is very important because it's, um, it's crucial, you know, to your own survival to make sure that if you're going to entertain someone like that, then that they are, you know, taking the necessary measures to get help. Um, and, you know, that's just my view on it. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of times it is a lot of things that adults deal with are uh, are a result of their childhood and trauma that they've experienced, and that's why they are the way they are today. Yeah, one thing I one noticed the um, in the again this oh yeah, please go ahead, Dr. Griffin. I'm sorry, go ahead. One of the traps that the survivors of uh, the abuse get in is trying to find that kernel of goodness in the narcissist's heart, but a lot of times by the time they blown in the expression of all of the traits, there is no good part, and you're never going to find it, and so you might as well forget that part. He's never going to express his love towards you. He's incapable, and not to say that they are, quote, unquote, bad people. It's just that it is what it is, you know? No, well, it makes sense, like you said, when you start, when you just mentioned the idea that they could, you know, in a, over the course of a lifetime, 15, 20, possibly even more serious relationships, because that's kind of where they take them to a certain extent. So, yeah, if you're catching this person, you know, on the eighth, ninth, tenth time, 
than the idea that, you know, that they are going to get help with it or, or one technique that I saw, again, just in researching this and knowing that I wanted to discuss this issue, one thing I saw was uh, while even the, the things that you're talking about are, are unfortunately can be very real for, from their childhood, like you said, not either getting too much attention or definitely not enough attention leading to them actually exhibiting this type of behavior, one thing that I found that unfortunately you, you say they kind of go to protect themselves and become this person. Well, one thing I found was they actually well, quite often overplay even, you know, again, it could have been bad, but they overplay their childhood experiences, you know, to do what Soul Scribe just mentioned as an empath. She's going to take to that story and be like, how can I help you? And, again, they're starting to get their control. And for this person who has no empathy in return, they are now – even though it is a real-life story for them, they are now just taking it and using it to their advantage and typically, are, at least what I saw, are typically exaggerating at that point. And I guess that's where, you, where you're mentioning, um, Dr. Griffin, unfortunately, once they've kind of gotten to that stage, uh, it sounds like they, in, in most cases the best thing you can do is possibly get out. Uh, but before we let you go, for someone who is, you know, has married this person, and, and I definitely understood you were breaking down, you know, in your therapy, you're trying to make sure they get their self-worth back regardless of what decision they make. Um, you know, if you are, in a sense, going to stay, you know, maybe cover the kids or you're trying to figure it out, uh, just what, you know, one, you know what, what advice for it, at, at that point? Because I don't think the other person, especially if they're not in therapy, they're not going to change what they're doing. So how does that even work for somebody trying to, I guess, make one of these situations work, if you will, before we let you go. I definitely want to hear a thought on that, if you will, um, Dr. Griffin. Well, one of the things that I do is to help the people identify different behavioral strategies that they can use to manage the situation, like uh, based upon the experiences of people in the survivor community. So you'll hear the term gray rock, for example, and that is not to give a reaction to the narcissist's attempt to elicit a reaction because that's what they want, whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad, it's praise or whether it's uh, uh, some kind of angry response. They eat that up because that, you know, boost gives them a rush, just like the bully gets a rush on the playground. So that's one of the things. But another one is that you can use their need for praise and um, adulation uh, to your advantage by distracting them away from their abusive um, tendencies by pointing out some kind of true, genuine uh, thing that they did or said or whatever, while they're sucking that up, then you're, you know, moving in another direction as far as, you know, self-care is concerned. That's just two two of the techniques. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's plenty more. No, there's plenty more. Um, and matter of fact, this is throw this out. We got a couple minutes with you, so throw this out before we actually get out the information for how people can use your services or recommend you or refer you. Again, you specialize in this area, and unfortunately, we know that it's a growing um, issue in our in our um, society. So um, I can only imagine you know you're probably booked uh, to no end now that this is unfortunately a growing thing in our uh, in, in society. Uh, but with that said, you mentioned there are like nine behaviors. If you could just give a quick mention of what they are to get up and you said, somebody has to, has to, in a sense, hit five of them to qualify. And then after that, you could definitely go into how people can contact you and how to get your book. And um, just amazing first hour with you, um, Dr. Griffin. Thank you for being with us. Well, go ahead, Kim. Okay. So the diagnostic, 
characteristics in the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders is a grandiose sense of self-importance, fantasy, preoccupation with power, brilliance, beauty, ideal love, believe that they're special and that they should be treated that way regardless of whether they earned it. Uh, requiring excessive praise and adulation, like I had mentioned, a sense of entitlement that everything, the world is their oyster, they deserve everything. Interpersonal exploitation of other people, lack of empathy. They can't get in other people's hearts or in other people's shoes. They can't wrap their head around that. Envious of other people would think people are envious of them. And arrogance and haughtiness in their attitude, looking down their nose toward other people. Now, now thank you for that a beautiful layout. But yeah, as far as yourself, how do we, you know, how does someone use your services? How do they get your book? Please give us that. And thank you again for being with us. Great first hour again. Thank you, Dr. Gill. My profile is on the Psychology Today Therapist Referral page. It gives kind of like an overview. There's actually a link that you can copy into your browser that has a video where I talk about my services. So it's the Psychology Today Therapist Referral page under Dr. James Parker Griffin, Jr. I'm at Thriveworks Marietta. As far as the book, The 25th Demon, it's available on Amazon.com in both uh, hard, I'm sorry, paperback version and also in the ebook version um, on Amazon. Now, it sounds great. If you will, Dr. Griffin, send me, if, I don't know if we, yeah, sit, text me the um, link that you're talking about, and I'll make sure for the replay of this show that I always have it so people can go directly to it if they listen to the show. So thank you again. Um, if there's anything else you want to say before we go, man, you were amazing, and we're going to try to tackle the next hour without you. Well, I don't even know how we'll do it because you've given us so much amazing information. Uh, I definitely appreciate um, all of your expertise. And let me throw this out to you. Next Friday, if you're not doing anything, we have the smartest event in the city. That's how we – I told you about it when I met you, uh, not only the show, but we're doing a celebration of black love with our Black Love Summer Tour, and we're inviting couples in. So if you're not doing anything next Friday, please come out to the live experience, but I'll shoot you a text with that information as well. But thanks again, uh, King, for being with us. Sounds great. Thank you for the invitation to the show, and I'll send you the link to my psychology services and to the book. All right, perfect. All right, we're over against the break. This is the top of the hour. We're going to play another beautiful release from our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. Taylor Place infatuation. So enjoy this real R&B, and we'll come back and self and soul squad to continue this morning's discussion. Oh my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Soul Scribe. This morning's discussion question, oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now was just finished the amazing first hour with Dr. J. Parker Griffin, um, psychotherapist, behavior counselor, giving us amazing lots of information. Again, this is a growing phenomenon, I guess I should say. I don't know if you want to call it a phenomenon, but growing in our society. And I even mentioned, didn't get into this, but even um, the role that um, social media uh, begins to play, even as as people maybe are having some of the neglect as growing up as children neglect, or even uh, thinking about the affluenza and things of that nature. So there's these different things that people are experiencing, experiencing as you, and and and, and I would even go as far as failures on parents' part, because like the scenario he laid out, like he was saying, giving giving the child everything but not really um, nurturing them, and so it, it, that child can't help but become one of these very people that would afflict this concept on anybody that they date throughout their lifetime. Like they're they're basically born and become this person who relationship after relationship after relationship does it. And so um so scribe, you beautifully describing and having you know, willing to share your own experience uh, with the truth seekers out there listening. Um, it made me. It makes me think of this as, as I'm thinking. I don't want to hear your thoughts about this, but you know, as you were in a sense have been able to, you know, in a sense, fortunately, not marry your your previous fiance who, who you deemed and found to be uh, a narcissist. The reality is, somebody else is. He's going to sink his teeth into someone else. I, luckily, not you, but this is mm-hmm. a ongoing mm-hmm. process based on everything that Dr. Griffin just uh, mm-hmm. described. And it may be why we're seeing so many people experiencing this. I think you mentioned uh, as once you got put on notice, there you had a, in a sense a, a group of, of girlfriends who've experienced it at least once in their lifetime. So this is it, it's scary. I mean, I don't want to overplay it, but it's somewhat scary to know mm-hmm. that it's not only is mm-hmm. it growing, but they just move on to their quote unquote next victim per se. Go ahead, please. Right, right, right. That's very true. It's definitely. Yeah, they move on quickly. You know, they go from one relationship to, to the other. They don't give their – there's not any break. They, they're looking for the next person to fulfill them. And it's unfortunate, you know, um, that that's who they are. Um, and I don't even know how they can get out of it. Maybe one day they grow tired of, of being that way or or failed relationships and they actually do some work on themselves. Um, but um, I, I don't know that there's any being with a narcissist and being able to, I mean, can you really love a narcissist and stay, or stay with a narcissist and make it work because, um, you know, that's who they are, you know? Um, so it's like, oh, my God, this is where I'm at. But, you know, for me, the only the only option I felt like I had was to, to, to run, to escape, um, or else it was going to only get worse. Um, and so you have to make those decisions and say, okay, so, you know, you know, what do I need to do as painful as it is? And so um, I think the only thing that we could really do is, is just kind of give people steps to getting out of that situation to be strong enough and, and recognizing red flags and, um, you know, you know, just working on themselves and to find a, a healthier relationship eventually so with themselves and someone else because I, it's, it's pretty damn near impossible from what it seems like um, and from what I've experienced. 
So, yeah, that's what I think I heard Dr. Griffin just kind of concede at the very end when I kind of asked him that, you know what I mean? How does someone, you know, deal with it and, and whatever? And he was just like, hey, y'all just kind of like it is what it is, uh, and especially if they went further, gotten further in that cycle. And it sounds like unless they get help early on, you know, with with whatever issues, for example, that may have started it with their own levels of um, abandonment as a child or did maybe even too much praise to the extent that they get a this false sense of worth and kind of carry it and just kind of inflict it onto others. Because there's another unique thing about uh, narcissists, which is how I can understand how, in a sense, people fall for them, per se. But as I was, again, doing this research, I kept seeing therapists talk about how quite often they – that if you that if you're in a room of people with different personalities and there's like some type of group thing or they're having to establish in a sense who's going to lead the group, he or uh, you know he or she quite often is not only wants to be the leader and get to the front, but based on their personality, others are actually pushing them to lead as well. Uh, you know, initially now what one behavior science scientist said. It doesn't mean they're going to be a great leader, but as, as far as that charm and that personality and, and in a sense, uh, quite often they, uh, they're groomed to the teeth. I mean, again, these are some things that I, you know, came, came across in my research. And so they're absolutely quite often put to the front. So I can see how that person is, you know, someone that, you know, that, that you, you would desire. Because here's my reality, mm-hmm. you know, as I've listened to, you know, kind of what Dr. Griffin has mentioned, I definitely feel like I've experienced it as a male, you know, in a sense from the from from the female in in that sense that I that that maybe I definitely had a situation. It wasn't necessarily um, the narcissistic disorder, as we say, having to qualify five out of nine of the different issues to be one. I definitely had a situation which was another type of disorder I was able to discover that was terrible for me. But a lot of the things that were in that disorder was similar to how, you know, a, a narcissist uh, would treat you. But I definitely feel like, you know, without, without it being diagnosed, now that I understand it better, that I've experienced, you know, that, that, that scenario, you know, to, to, to a certain extent. And, you know, by becoming aware, I, I realized the only choice, like you're saying, is to, to get out. For anybody out there listening, you know, please call in and tell us, your stories. I know I had a lot of people uh, kind of typing in this week, got a few people listening, but if there's, you know, if any of you have stories that y'all are willing to share, you know, what it's been like or maybe even advice to give to someone who, who who's experiencing it or is, does, is not fortunate enough like you, so to have a friend to kind of point it out. Because here's a think about this, so What if your friend mm-hmm. doesn't point that out and you're in love? Like maybe you, mm-hmm. maybe you get married. I mean, I know you probably hate to think about that, but, but Dr. Griffin just gave us how many people will stay 10, 15 years and not be fully aware mm-hmm. of what they're experiencing. So imagine had your friend not gave you that game. Well, well, what, what do you think that looks like? Wow. Gosh. I, if, if she had not given me that advice, I mean, I'd probably still, I'd probably still be with them. I'd probably still be trying to work it out. Um, but um, because that, because that's, I was still with him at that time, and um, it was just a very ugly time. But we were still together, and things were moving forward. So, but when I really talked to her and I read the articles, it was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like this is. And then when I it was like, it was just a shocking 
revelation for me to know that that's exactly like all almost every trait is there. So if 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 I had not talked to her, I'm not sure. No one else really told me that that's what I was doing. I really never talked to. I didn't talk to that many people. Um, I just happened to talk to her. She was like, you know, I'm worried about you. I'm checking on you. She had saw some Facebook posts, you know, and I think I had maybe mentioned the one where he had been. I had never been in a relationship with someone who had talked down to me and attacked me verbally this way. And it was just one of those, I was very depressed that day when she reached out to me and she was like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> and, um, you know, um, a lot of times people say, don't share all your business on social media, but, you know, unfortunately in today's time, a lot of people don't really connect, you know, um, personally. So sometimes you look at that as an outlet to, you know, vent your frustrations. A lot of people do. And that day I was just at a breaking point, and she reached out to me, like, what's going on? You know, so she had just saw me and was looking at my engagement ring, you know, at a, um, at Apache Cafe. We were, you know, enjoying some poetry together. So, um, you know, she just happened to point out that this is exactly what you did. She said, I want you – she didn't say this is exactly what you're doing, doing this. She said, I want you to read these articles. And she sent me two articles, and I read them, and I was like, wow. And then I called her. And she said, this is how, you know, she said, you need to come undone is what she said. You need to, you need to cry. You need to get it out of your system. Don't hold it in. She said, you need to go into your bedroom and you need to cry. You need to cry as much as possible. You need to come completely undone. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking She said, you just got to, she's like, there's hey, another way. So, Scrabble, you're, you're coming through a little bit muffled. I don't know if there's a way you could maybe hold your phone slightly different. I want to make okay. sure. I've kind of noticed mm-hmm. it throughout, but I was like, it's getting, it's getting a little okay. worse now. So I want to hopefully you clear, hear me? Hopefully get you cleared up. Possibly. Yeah, that sounds a little clearer. Okay. Again, I don't know if is that better? Or whatever, I mean, but I have a... Yeah, it's actually a lot better. I probably should have recommended. I hope, I hope, people have, <laughs> I hope it hasn't been that way for everybody. I thought it might have been my fault, but um, yeah, I definitely was getting a little worse. So yeah, what you're doing now, whatever Sorry it is, please that. keep doing. Okay, I, was, I yeah, had a, no a, a fan on maybe, but um, so yeah, so you know, if she had not told me what I needed to do and gave me that guidance, that first step. I mean, I'll probably be in a really bad situation, and I'm thankful for for her and for having that, her reach out to me and say, hey, you know, you need, you need an ear. I'm here. You know, I'm here for you. And so that's very important sometimes. But, I mean, you know, what else can I say? I'd probably, we'd probably still be together. I'd probably be, you know, um, dealing with a lot of the abuse that I was dealing with that had started to, to unravel and, un, and to reveal itself, you know, um, I kind of felt stuck at the time, you know, and so um, that's not. I mean, that's all I can really say is like you feel trapped, you feel in that you're in that situation when you you're when you're in love with someone, you want to work it out, you believe you need to work it out, you don't want to fail, and so you've got all these hopes, and you don't want to feel embarrassed, you know, in front of the world. Um, <laughs> so you just you try to you try to make it work, you know. Um, it's it's just one of those things where you know you're trying to make it look good for the public, for everyone, you know, and you know, behind closed doors, you're dealing with, you know, the instability of that person. So, um, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah, that's a lot. What's a lot? We're actually up against another quick break. When we come back, I want to get into even those stages, like the love bombing, like how, you know, how do they even get you to that point, if we could, you know, kind of mention that, um, you know, as as well. So we'll be right back to listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you take If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. 
Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Soul Scribe. If you are in the Atlanta area looking to purchase or sell a home, I promise you, Ephraim Abdullah is one of the most thorough real estate agents in the area. A few people from our Mental Dialogue Community Club have used his service and have been very pleased, so we definitely like to recommend that you take advantage of his services, again, if you're even if you're not looking, if you're anticipating buying a house for the first time, that's your guy. It's definitely one of the highlights, and thank him for being a supporter of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show as well. This morning's discussion question, oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? So, Scribe, again, thank you for just being willing to, in a sense, share your story. And, you know, almost unfortunately, almost a recent story, um, you know, not in, you know, me getting to know you, again, you were able to, in a sense, get out of it's Sounds like that's what you needed and wanted to do, exit from your relationship with an, uh, a narcissist. And the reality is in me getting to know you, I recall something that Dr. Griffin mentioned was that isolation aspect. I remember you and I talking about how at one stage you and him were, he had this us against the world approach. And at that point you were locked in. You wasn't, you know, I think you mentioned that you had had a few experiences that kind of highlighted, Hey, there's an issue here. But for the most part, uh, I would assume you were in kind of in the, the love bomb stage, love bombing stage, which, you know, getting the praise and getting locked in and make, trying to make this thing work up against the world. Because I guess this narcissist that you were engaged to had successfully to a certain extent, isolated you. So if you kind of speak to that again, we're just trying to speak to this growing issue for anybody out there listening to maybe make themselves aware of, of their scenario so they can, in a sense, protect themselves, if you will. But go ahead, Chris. Um, well, yeah, I definitely had the alienation part. Um, I didn't recognize it at first. You know, I had had, uh, we'd had a conversation about one of my friends and he kind of was like, oh, well, she's not really your friend, you know, what kind of friend would do that to you, you know, why would you even have, um, sorry, hold on. Oh, no, you're fine. Why would you like, even have someone? Bring the baby on the show, too, we good. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs> why, would you even, why would you even have a friend like that? So what they do is they end up start talking down to you about the friendships that you have or, you know, family members or why aren't they supporting you or, you know, why, why is, you know, why is she still your friend? And that makes me question you and your character. Hey, Queen, if you need to take care of your daughter, hey, I, I, I could definitely give you a little break and you can come back whenever you need to. Just press one to let me know when you're ready. Definitely take care of your daughter. Again, we, we make it work, Queen, no problem whatsoever. Did I lose you? I'm going to boss her anyway. Okay, sounds like no, I'm here. I'm sorry. Care. I was trying okay. to. I'm, okay. I'm here. 
Um, okay, no so problem. Yeah, you need to get yeah, you need a quick break. I, yeah, I'm definitely waiting for you to get back home. But yeah, I mean, you're pointing out. I think what a lot of people are experiencing. So if you're good, please continue. Yeah, I'm good. You know, it's just like you know, why are you hanging around this person? And that happens with more than just one case. You know, another person that I was friends with, it was a guy. He questions, you know, our relationship as friends. And so, you know, eventually, I started cutting off people to make them feel comfortable. Right, 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 right. And then, like, and then there's a point, though, I, I think I mentioned, I remember you and I talked about this. You got to a point where you were almost a willing participant in this me against us against the world perspective. So, not mm-hmm. only did you do it to make you feel comfortable, but you had bought completely right. in to the point where you, um, you know, were, were not listening to family and friends, from what I, from what I understand. If we, right. Again, not to go too deep right. into your scenario, but I assume, yeah. um, as Dr. Griffith said, if isolation is a part of their technique, uh, this is what other people are experiencing too. And I, if, I guess if it's during the love bombing stage, you're actually on yep. board with it. Like you're not just feeling isolated and disagreeing with mm-hmm. it. You're isolated because, you know, this person has made you see errors in everybody else. And they're not really for you. Right. Only I'm for you. I, I assume. And you're just a wonderful person. Get... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the and you're just that, a wonderful that person that understands and you. you feel like you don't deserve that, right? You don't deserve those type of people around you. You're better than that, you know? And so you start to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe they have a point, you know, because you know, they've only done good things for you. They've only told you really good things. They've, they've mm. been sort of like a Prince Charming in your life, and you're like, well, yeah, you're right. Wow, that makes sense. Family like that, yeah. And so you're like, okay, yeah, maybe he he is looking out for my best. Interest. He or she is looking out for my best interest. And um, you begin to doubt other people around you, you know. Okay, now, that makes sense. See how nothing that starts. No, nah, nothing that I picked up, and I don't know if this was your experience, but um, now I've I've actually been in this scenario, but I think just even from my own, in I don't know if this is you know, on the spectrum or whatever, but but the idea of what I get into this new research for this show, that that the relationships quite often move very quickly as far as when you get to the feeling, like they're quick to say I love you and quick to get to that stage. I don't know if that was something that you experienced in your situation, um, that, that, that the that whirlwind relationships are definitely yeah. a part of the MO from what I researched and I was just wondering if that was also something yes. that you experienced as well just to bring that aspect up. Absolutely, absolutely. I would say we met we went on our first date in November. By the time the new year came in we were celebrating New Year's and he was saying that if he ever got a chance to put a ring on my finger he was. And so November, December <laughs> Pretty much, it was like two months, and he was talking about, you know, seeing himself marrying me and how I was the perfect person, um, and I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, of course, I know I'm perfect, and I know I'm great. I'm not perfect, but I know I'm <laughs> awesome, and then when you have someone validating that, and it's only been like two months of dating, and you're like, wow, they really do like me. They really do see how awesome and great I am, and you go with it, so so they play to how you want to feel. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's going to change. But, I mean, so, yeah, yeah. this day, there's, I'm assuming there's none of the down talk that becomes a no, very no. Um, 
yeah, the crucial part to what makes it all go downhill. So yeah, during the love, yeah, love bombing stage, they're appearing perfect. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, the one scenario that I mentioned again, it wasn't, at least from what I've understood, understood the, the person I was dealing with had another, you know, since mental, I would say the word disorder or whatever. But it is very similar because I can say that that scenario in which, uh, at least from my perspective, in which. Um, there was a lot of emotional turmoil and emotions I never kind of experienced. It was definitely one of the fastest moving um, scenarios I'd had, and I me never lived with any lived with anyone. I actually moved in with a um, sad person again, uh, another disorder. But narcissism had to be a part of it. You know what I mean? As I listened to everything that Dr. Griffin said and everything that you mentioned, um, again a, a, another disorder. But narcissism has to be in there because. It definitely appeared, this person appeared to be everything I ever wanted. I remember even calling one of my friends and saying, I said, and this has been a number of years ago, but I remember calling one of my friends saying to her, saying, I said, I said you, know how, you know how in life you have this, this list of the things that you want, and, and, you know, as you get older, you get realistic and realize, you know, you're not going to get everything that you want, but you still kind of have those things in mind. And I remember saying to my friend, I said, this person has not only everything I want, but down to the idiosyncrasy of the things I want. So I was just like, this is the most <laughs> amazing person ever, like literally ever. Because I'm like, I'm getting more than what I asked for. I didn't expect to get the idiosyncrasy. So I'm telling you, I was blown <laughs> away, and I was all in. And, and looking around like, I can only take forever to get into a situation. What is happening? <laughs> right, right. right. Like, What's going on? It was How so is this different. Happening? Yeah, because it was so different, I bought it. Right, right. Absolutely. I bought it. Like it was. Yep. Yeah, know, it was the opposite of. Yeah, it was the opposite of my slow moving. Like, like I mean, you know, it's not, it was no secret for all the long time listeners. I'm, you know, I'm 45. Definitely still looking to get married. Haven't you know pulled it off per se, but I would say previous me taking so long has been more of my issue. So to run into this person that could make me move quickly, I was like, this has to be real. Could this be love? Could this? (laughs) You know what I mean? So I was hook, line, and sinker. And then when it dropped. When the but when the when the when the bottom dropped, I couldn't do anything right. At no mm. point, no matter how oh, wow. hard I tried. And let me mm-hmm. let me see, let me see if you ever ran into this scenario again. More of a like I said, another level of disorder, but definitely traits of this narcissistic stuff. Did you ever run into this scenario where? And this is something I just never would do in my life, but I did it in this scenario, where the scenario that happened clearly was not on you. You know, you're having this dialogue and trying to figure out, you know, how to improve on a scenario that just happened and this person is making it your fault. But because you have love for them and you're trying to make it work, I remember one time literally getting gifts and flowers, saying I was apologizing, even though there was no part of me that felt I had done anything but to make it work, I apologize. Did you ever do that? Mm-hmm. In this, yes. Because I, I ain't never done that. 
But that scenario, I definitely tried it and kind of felt like a fool as I was walking in the door with flowers because, again, this is the only person I ever lived with, and literally walking in the door with flowers feeling like, I I want to try to make this work. Maybe they'll listen if I apologize. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're I don't know how you that far. That's my that's my, yeah. that's my 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 story, and I'm well, I telling it to the world right here, Mr. <laughs> I didn't get flowers, but you did find yourself apologizing, even though you felt like yes. you didn't need to. Yes. So you were, you wasn't you wasn't as bad you wasn't as bad as me. Yeah. No, I was no. just a straight but I, I mean, it was. I mean, you know, hey, it happens to all of us. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely found myself in that position where it's like, they're like, well, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't done that. And it's like, yeah, but what you did was totally wrong, and it had nothing to really do with me. I, I was, you know, they, they try to spin whatever it is that they did and make it, you know, your fault for their bad behavior. And so you, you try to look at what you did or didn't do and say, okay, well, Maybe maybe that maybe they have a point, you know. You want to believe it. You want to make the relationship work. You want to be the bigger person sometimes, and you're like, oh, I love them enough. You know, sometimes you think, well, I, want, I like that. What is there's a Bob Marley quote or something about everybody's going to bring you pain. It's about, you know, finding out who's worth mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and so you're like, well, you know, I'm going to deal with this little bit of pain. I'm going to go ahead and take this one, you know, um, for the team and um, so we can move forward and move past. And that's all you want is because you want the relationship to be in a good place and to be healthy and to appease that person, you know, because they've made you feel so guilty um, for the way they've, they've, because the way they feel, you know, even though you're the one who should really be feeling bad. No, absolutely. As I'm listening to you, you know, what it, what it made me realize is, is like, you, like, yeah, that quote is dope that you talk about, with, you know, uh, Bob Marley, like you said, who, for who's worth it, and you are, you mm-hmm. know, I remember, yeah, like I say, in, in experiencing that, you are feeling like they're worth it. Because what I realized as you were saying that, I realized that what what you what what you end up doing again. I don't think I've experienced it to the extent. Well, that scenario, I definitely experienced it. You know, for that one scenario, I can definitely relate to everything you talked about. But what I realized is, and I did, and I'm like I'm just now realizing as I'm hearing you speak about it, is the idea that in reality. You're de- you know why you de- why we're deciding that they're worth it? We're deciding it because you know what we're chasing the previous period of love bombing. Like you're just trying to yeah, you, know, you know, I don't think mm-hmm. about it, but you're chasing what mm-hmm. you just experienced that had you thinking this is mm-hmm. the most amazing person. So when you have these mm-hmm. experiences where they're starting to manipulate you, you're trying to right. you're, you're you're in love. Who with a person who's no longer right. amazing because they're just manipulating you at all right. times, but you literally <laughs> are chasing this amazing feeling and moment that you have. It's a high. We have to get the break. Yeah, absolutely. We have to get the break. We'll go to another break and you know let's speak to to that high and maybe somebody will get in on what we're talking. If you've experienced a relationship with the narcissist, hopefully you learn some details on how to remove yourself because it seems to be the only option. Unfortunately, we'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Side of Season Lone, special guest co-host, Soul Squad. This morning's discussion question, oh, my God, I'm in love with the narcissist. What now? Speaking of that high, you know, what, what, I, what I, again, now me just going back to this particular relationship years ago, I felt like I did experience this as well. Speaking of that high, as you just mentioned, you're chasing that high, but eventually it moves to just chasing just some plain old sanity while still, as Dr. Griffin saying, having soul ties to this person. So moving on is not that easy at that point. Um, as you you know, at that point, when it seems like you are at that stage, there's a concept of them kind of saying they want things to work, but the entire time they continue to make it your fault. I, I, I don't recall the scenario I'm in. One time in the entire nine months that I dealt with this person, and most of it was not within the relationship, but I lived there, so it wasn't as you know simple to 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 get out. Considering um, you know you know you know paying rent and needing to get you know some money to move out, so I was there much longer than I needed to be. Uh, but I don't remember in the entire nine to ten months of dealing with that person, I can't recall them ever being wrong. I don't know if you experienced that with your um, in your situation. Again, this has been a number of years ago for me. I didn't even really think much about it going into the show, but as we're speaking about it, I'm like, this sounds all too familiar. But did you run into that scenario where this person always finds a way, no matter the scenario, to make it your fault? Mm, um, well, at first, he, at first the apologies were there, but later on in the relationship, the accountability kind of died away, like, um, it was more like, well, it, there was a lot of deflecting, you know, and um, if it was if it was something small, it, it didn't matter what it was. There was just a constant deflecting. You didn't want to own up to, to anything. <laughs> like, um, uh, for example, he lost the bracelet I had bought him, and you know, he said he gave it to his mom, and <laughs> and then he took that back and said, no, my mom said she doesn't have it. Like, he literally didn't know what happened to it, but instead of making it, you know, saying, you know, I lost it, <laughs> it was a, you know, I'm not going to accept responsibility for losing the bracelet you gave me. I'm just going to say, you know, my mom has it and his mom didn't have it. Like, little things like that. Wow. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, why didn't you just say you lost it? <laughs> it was not, you know, it was a twenty-five dollar bracelet. Wasn't <laughs> um, right, but it was incapable. Right. <laughs> it was incapable of owning it, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. 
yeah, that ownership for that. And um, little things like I'd say, hey, maybe, you know, you've been you've been eating out a lot. Why don't you go grocery shopping? And he's like, well, I know how to budget, and I go grocery shopping all the time. And I'm like, well, in the last 24 hours, you eat out like six times. Like, you know, we're trying to plan for a future together, you know, And but he would find a fence in that. And I'm like, but, you know, we're supposed to build each other up and helping each other spend, you know, do smarter spending, you know, but you would get upset. <laughs> and I was like, but you know, I've been on the phone with you the last 24 hours for much of the day, and I know this is what happened, and I'm just saying that we need to start saving for our future, you know, and, um, you know, I need to take offense to that. Well, you know, I do, uh, I cook all the time, and I do this, and I'm like, I'm just talking about the last 24 hours, every time I talk to you, you're ordering something, you know, and it's like, they took offense to that, because I was, because he looked wrong, and he didn't want to own that. He wanted to say, you know what, you're right. I need to go to the grocery store, you know, get something easy to cook for breakfast, and then maybe eat out just for dinner or lunch when I'm at work. You know, things like that. Like, there was just a complete disconnect. Yeah, they're incapable. incapable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally incapable. So that's just one of the things, another sign that you need to look for. Um, of course, the moving too fast, the, the gaslighting, you're, you're from another world, you're not of this world, you're a fantasy um, a dream come true. <laughs> You're perfect. Now, when people tell me I'm perfect, I say, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not even going to let you do that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I bought it all. I bought it all. I, I was just trying to think of, really? I am? Yeah. <laughs> like, for real, for real? Like, I'm this thing? Sure, not perfect. <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, like you said, like you said at the beginning, though, you said, you know, you knew you wasn't perfect. But it feels so good. It does. It does. It feels, like, wow, it feels so good. Amazing. Because, because what, yeah. Right, because what they do is, I'm sorry, I'm going to even cut you off. Go ahead, Queen. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. No, uh, yeah, what I'm saying, because, cause, yeah, of course, like, you know, you know you're know, you not perfect. So, you know, I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling perfect. Like, that part I wasn't accepting. But what they do, what they're so good at in during the love bombing period is, they are so accepting of your flaws. So that's why it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At least that's what I experienced. You know what I mean? In the sense yeah. that, so yeah, of course they're saying you're perfect. You know you're not perfect. But right. what you're really thinking of is you're okay with this, <laughs> this, this idiosyncrasy that, that some people have not been. You know what I mean? Or you go through other relationships mm-hmm. and this part of you doesn't, you know, was an issue. And they seem to be okay with either, you know, something that you're still continue, continuing to work on possibly or something that you want to right. better in yourself. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. building it up saying, I want to help you with it or whatever. Right. So, so again, yeah. these are just the realities just to share for those who may not know that that that, that feeling of not having self-worth could absolutely mm-hmm. be created by the other person. And here was a, a, another aspect, and I hate that I didn't get to ask my children about this, and I, and I can't speak on it 100%. I just happened to see it right, really right before the show. Um, the, um, that there's a concept of covert narcissism. And I, I would just tell people, go look it up. But that one is even scarier than everything we're talking about right now. Really? Because 
yeah, we had one aspect that I and again I wish I could speak to it intelligently and I wish I had Dr. Griffin right now. But the one thing that I didn't forget as I again I just so happened to come across it this morning right before the show was watching a video on it. The one aspect that the covert narcissist has is they have the ability to appear to be empathetic. Like to the fullest. Mm. Like they match mm. Whereas yeah. the one thing that that lets you know that you may be dealing with the narcissist in most cases is they're not empathetic. Like that is a trait that is kind of known for, you know, narcissists. That's a, that's, you know, not empathetic yeah. to anyone else. They're so self-absorbed. They're not empathetic. Well, the covert yeah. narcissist. Oh, yeah. Oh, you crying and screaming, rages and things. Yeah. Well, they, they appear to be completely empathetic to, oh, I'm sorry. Don't mm-hmm. say that again. I was like, yeah, they use crying and yeah, yeah, they use. I was just saying that, yeah, I was agreeing. I was like, they use crying and things like that to appear empathetic, they emotional. Oh wow. Okay. See, I didn't even know all that. I was just tripping off the fact that there was another concept that I didn't know about called covert narcissism, and that they're able to kind of hyperplay one of the things you would ideally use to identify. Am I in a relationship with a narcissist? Like, like we start questioning and looking it up. Here are these traits that, are, you know, like you said, when you were able to look it up when your friend pointed it out to you, you were able to kind of say, wow, this is everything that I'm going through. But this covert narcissist, again, I don't know all the traits, but they've mastered, you know, the idea of how being empathetic and, like, to show that they are a caring person. Like, that's the opposite mm-hmm. of a narcissist. Like, right, right. But it's part of their manipulative strategy. That's part of the manipulation no, strategy to, yeah, to make a person think that they care. Yeah, when they really don't care. It's really about caring enough to get what they want from you. Wow. That that, that blows my mind. And when, one thing I only, and again, I don't know a lot about it. One other thing I recall from it was that for the covert narcissist, whereas another one thing, though, is they don't appear to be that confident. They they actually are kind of the opposite. They're like introverts. Well, I don't know if it's consistent across the board, but that was one thing that was highlighted. Whereas, as I mentioned earlier, a, a narcissist quite often, if you begin put a group of people in the room, they will be picked as a leader just because how confident other people see them. And again, they're either giving an appearance to the world because of their own insecurity, but quite often, uh, narcissists do lead organizations and lead groups. Whereas the covert narcissist actually appears to be an introvert and super empathetic. Uh, it, I mean, it becomes difficult. I mean, you know, we always talk about on this show uh, in general when it even comes to relationships, like the level of dysfunction um, that we're trying to continue with specifically in the African-American community. So just, you know, just we're just highlighting these specifics uh, in, in, in hopes of ensuring that people maybe, in this case, I would say avoid these relationships or at the very least if they become aware that they're in a relationship with the narcissist, that they may be fortunate enough like yourself to be able to exit before they're too far in, and, and now, you know, you're, you're you're in a bad relationship. I know all of these different dysfunctions that are out here and that exist, in my opinion, quite often makes many people, uh, at least as I'm seeing in society, specifically in the black community, a lot of people, you know, are concerned about, 
you know, moving into relationships and, and, and then going as far as, you know, marrying. Again, something that, that I obviously think is very important and would love to see more in our community. But quite often when, when people hear me pushing, uh, you know, pushing that idea, they're not understanding that I am very much about functional people getting married and knowing that there are this, these levels of dysfunction out here, um, as we kind of mentioned when it comes to this particular issue, narcissists can be unfortunately kind of created based on their childhood backgrounds with their parents. And anyway, I bring all of it, all of it to say that, hey, you know, as much as I push marriage in this community, understand that I'm doing these shows with the attempt of improving um us individually from, you know, a mental dialogue, improve the conversation inside our own heads. So as we improve ourselves, then we can actually grow and learn how to get into healthier relationships. So, you know, just, it's just my opportunity to kind of point that out, that I don't push that that concept haphazardly, even though it may seem like it if you, you know, see me on social media in a moment or, or even, you know, for the upcoming live experience when we talk about the Black Love Summer Tour and we're talking about relationships of all kinds. Uh, but specifically, um, I think it is beneficial for our community to have more healthier relationships that, that lead down that line for the next generation. So I guess, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm, you know, my mm-hmm. soapbox to say, hey, you know, I'm not doing this yeah. care, carelessly, and these shows are very important, you know, for this very, yeah. very reason. Any thoughts on that? We are kind of up against a break, but we got about um, a minute before the break. Just, you know, what do you think about it? Because you and I have talked about that specifically, yeah. and you getting yeah. to know me as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think it's great that you're pushing it, but I also think that, you know, this type of show and other shows talking about what that looks like, you know, for you to be be in a healthy relationship, you know, when you're dating, what does the red flags look like? What are some things you should look for? What are some questions you should ask? You know, being more observant, you know, having self-worth and not losing yourself in a relationship and making sure that you don't alienate family and friends. And if someone tries to make you, you know, what are, do, do, they, do they give you sad stories? What are the red flags? Do they, you know, complain a lot? You know, you need learning to walk away sooner than later from unhealthier relationships so that you can spend time, you know, on a healthy one and moving into something that you can, some, moving on to someone that you can truly build with. And so I think detecting those red flags and mental illnesses and others is part of, you know, what will help us move on and be in better relationships. Uh, absolutely. We're up against our last break, so we'll go to a quick break. we come back and close out this show. If you're out there listening, I have to say, I should have given out the number for those who may, may want to get in. We definitely want to still hear your stories if you have any, or uh, if anything we've said helps or relates or anything you want to say, 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. And press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Soul Squad. Thank you, Queen, for being with me 
this morning for this, again, very important conversation. Mr. Dialogue, I always say the answer is in the name itself. If I could prove the conversation inside your own head, you will be better, and therefore our community will be better. Got a couple of callers out there. If you're trying to get in, please press 1 to let me know if you want to speak for this last segment. If you're just listening, no problem. But if you want to talk, please press 1 on your phone, and we'll get you in on this morning's uh, discussion. And to speak specifically to the hashtag that you know I so often push, it's called, you know, marriage before children. But we got to get healthy before we jump into marriage. Never, it's just simply a hashtag, and people, obviously a hashtag doesn't give people context, so I do get and understand how people may see that hashtag as somewhat haphazard, uh, but an opportunity like this shows that we are wanting functional, healthy relationships. We need them in our community. We do have a caller that wants to get in. Luckily, our first caller, uh, I'm glad to have them. Let's see what they, what they got to say. Area code four zero four last three seven eight six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, this is Elise Davis from Lithonia, Georgia. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Queen? Thank you so much for getting in on the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Appreciate appreciate you getting with us and giving us your three cents. Okay, any questions you have for us this morning? Um, I didn't really have questions. Um, I, I really just could relate. Um, and it was fascinating for me because. Um, I was in a 15-year marriage um, that I'm happily divorced from, but it, he was a textbook narcissist, not covert, but <laughs> the regular variety. Oh, um, man. And I didn't, I didn't realize it until maybe the 12th year when I started doing uh, some research. I was like, i got to get out of this crap, um, especially when I found out they don't slow down. They don't realize what's going on. They mm-hmm. won't even get help until maybe age 50 because it takes so much energy um, to be a narcissist, um, but I, I recall because of the red flags that you all have brought up, the first night that he approached me, um, he said that I was his wife. And, of course, now I'm, I'm in the middle of college. I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody thinks that I'm a wife. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm there, doesn't it? <laughs> so, like, I'm all naive and flattered and crap. Like, come on now. Oh, my gosh. But it's crazy because I didn't know that was a red flag until today. Seriously, like, wow. wow. I'm, I'm, I'm so serious. Like, I, I understood the other things, the gaslighting. I understood mm-hmm. the, the grandiose mm-hmm. sense of self or what have you, um, the, the, the ambition, but nothing to back it. I understood all that. But I didn't know that those first words that he said to me that night, from the start. Um, like, what was that, like 18-something years ago, were what was a red flag and the crazy thing is i had a guy that i fell in love with last year that within two weeks was talking about marriage and so i'm like oh my god and this guy he wasn't quite he he had stuff to back his stuff up with you you know what i'm saying like he had the ambition Mm -hmm. but he had success to go with it he had work ethic he was out there hustling so i was like oh goody 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 so glad i got away from that as well um but it's just refreshing. It's fascinating. Um, it's mind blowing to hear these red flags um, because mm-hmm. not only is this going to help me moving forward, but it's going to help so many other people move forward in a healthy way. Um, right. Wise. You know what I'm saying? So I really appreciate this show, this topic. You all bring this out because I'm a heavy proponent for marriage as well. So thank you for all of this. 
No, I appreciate your three cents, a great three cents. Uh, so excited, anything for at least before she goes? Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad she got out of those situations as well. But, yeah, um, yeah, it takes sometimes it takes for other people to point it out to us and, and to bring us to that realization. But, you know, one of the biggest things, especially when we're dating, is, you know, that I never really considered when dating was, well, okay, pay attention to red flags. Okay, you've got these great things going on and you really like this person. But you can't just go into a situation, you know, I guess dumbfounded in, in, in this fantasy world and not really look at the reality of who they are and things that they're saying. We need to pay attention because our life depends on it, you know, and sometimes literally yes. our life depends on it. <laughs> but you have to pay attention to those things. And no matter how great they sound, you have to say, okay, does this make sense to be happening right yes. now? You know, is this, does is this, this make sense? Does this make sense? And, you know, while I love the feeling of feeling like I'm on top of the world, you know, when you fall, <laughs> there's going to be a big fall. So we have to ask, we have to look at the red flags because that, I'm not saying always go into every situation looking for red flags, but I'm saying pay attention, you know, because it's, it's about survival. Everything is about survival. Yeah. Uh, uh, great again, point. Thank you, thank you at least for your great call, beautiful call. Thank you, Queen. You're welcome. I uh, love that call. And here's and here's what I'm here's here's the difference. Let me point this out too again. And obviously I've jumped on, you know, my soapbox issue. I try not to bring it to the table too often. Sometimes I'll you know, obviously do a, a full show. There's uh, a concept of marriage before children. And um, and again, not that everybody has to be married. That's not. What, please let me again. I like. I, I know. When I have the time to talk about it, I like to clarify the the the, the hashtag right because I can't when I just throw it out there. Um, but. Mm-hmm. But in but in discussing what we're talking about, here's the flip side of functional. The, the flip side of functional again, and this is me watching others, so I'm obviously not speaking from experience and not telling anybody to take my advice. But I will say I am witnessing watching others successfully move into relationships that turn into marriages shortly after the relationship, but both people are coming from a very functional place. And so the funny thing is, you know, when we're calling that red, like obviously saying, like the caller just said, you're my wife the first day. <laughs> I've heard of a couple of those examples working per se, but obviously that's a huge red flag. So I'm not necessarily saying day one, you're my wife or you're my husband type situation. But I will say when people are functionally healthy and understand if you are desiring marriage, understanding what it is truly for, it doesn't always take that long. I just want to kind of throw that out there because I don't want people hearing what we're talking about as, you know, somebody moving quickly in itself is the red flag, although it is obviously a red flag for a narcissist who's going to pray. Like you said, like like I said, the example that I had in my own life was, you know, not only going to pray you as the best thing going, but, you know, seemingly accept all of the flaws that makes you feel comfortable with accepting this movie. At least that's what it, that's what made me comfortable with moving so fast was that, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of an open book person or whatever anyway, so it doesn't take long for people to kind of see, I guess, at least in my opinion, what you're going to like and what you don't like. I, I don't, I'm not one of these put my best foot forward person. I want you to love me for who I am. And so it's just I accept <laughs> myself. So, you know, in some, you know, some ways being transparent is a good thing, but for someone like that, they're able to kind of make it seem, you know, in that scenario, make it seem like they accepted me 
firsthand. And so I just fell for mm-hmm. the hook, line, and sinker. I, you know, I can admit. <laughs> um, again, just kind of speaking to it personal, but again, I wanted to highlight that, you know, I don't want people hearing us saying that, you know, moving or missing marriage early is necessarily the red flag in itself, but it's right. something that people right. you know, obviously want to be equipped with, be smart about, and at the end of the day, yeah. whatever we can do to it, get all of us healthy and functional and I would even offer, just because I've kept hearing this and I fell for it too, uh, let me throw this out and I'll get off of this soapbox issue, which is when you understand marriage is, at least in my opinion, purpose, then love, and not that love is, I'm not, but by putting it in that space, I'm not necessarily belittling love, but one of the ways that I think, at least from what I've heard this morning, that we all got caught up because in today's society we place this, this value on love that we've allowed the feeling to have us overlook things we should have seen. And that can happen outside right. of narcissistic situations. And I'm saying mm-hmm. when if for those who would desire marriage, again, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but for those, and again, I do think it is beneficial to our community. I will continue to say that for as long as you know me. Everybody doesn't have to be like me. But I will say for those who are desiring it, when you understand the purpose, when you go understand the history of what, what marriage has been for and the purpose, meaning legacy, I want to leave something for the next generation. When when that becomes the focus, you don't allow an overwhelming film feeling to be the lead mm-hmm. for missing these red flags, in my opinion. So I thought I want to kind of put right. that in full context. Again, for right. you know, maybe a first-time listener or not understanding, you know, kind of mm-hmm. how we move, we try to get into the nuance. Uh, any thoughts on even what I'm saying, uh, so Squad? Because I, I do think it was a very important point to make, even a month, even a miss this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do make a really good point. Um, I think the thing is, when you when you start thinking that way, you're moving, you're moving with more purpose. You're not moving with just, um, oh, I want to be loved, or I want someone to love me. You're moving with something that 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 has more depth. You know, love is, is depth, but, you know, leaving a legacy and making changes in this world is a lot greater of a responsibility. So you move, you know, with a little bit more caution and a lot more purpose and steps. So so detecting things about a person it doesn't take as long for you to say that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. You know, that's not going to be, you know, um, a benefit to what I'm tr- where I'm trying to go in this life. So. Um, yeah, you know, moving with purpose, having a purpose of a self-worth of your own, you know, before you even get into a relationship, knowing what, what you want, what your goals are for, for this life that we have is, is key to also, you know, identifying a partner that is going to complement that. No, absolutely. You know, I, you know, again, not having done it myself, so I'm not trying to say I'm speaking from, uh, can't speak from expertise. I haven't had the experience and sometimes people knock that. Uh, but I will say, you know, just kind of, again, along those lines, it's like matching purposes, what I've seen and witnessed, you know, from others who, you know, at least in my eyes, are successfully pulling off this, this very thing that we're talking about. It's almost like because they match purposes, then it's like they fall in love with the person person who has that same purpose. So it's kind of like the love just comes in in a different way than this, you know, in a sense, this romantic fairy tale fairy tale approach that is you know mm-hmm. in my you know in my own lifetime got me into trouble not just the scenario I told you about um, mm-hmm. you know as well right. you know not, and again not necessarily in a narcissistic situation but definitely some relationship that I probably shouldn't have got in had I understood yeah. 
at a younger age what I am saying now right. at 45 is still hope to, you know, mm-hmm. I still desire desire that. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, I pull it off, uh, you know, whether that's getting well, married course, or not. Media. Day, for me, I do want to get married. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Right, right. I was saying, of course, media doesn't help perpetuate a lot of those um, those toxic situations. You know, if you listen to music, you know, the desperation sometimes in the songs, you know, when you need to leave a situation alone or you watch a movie and you think there's going to be this person at the train station waiting for you, you know, there's this, this uh, the ideology of, of what mm-hmm. romance is and what love is is so distorted because of what the media is constantly pushes to us, to us through either, you know, novels and, and movies. Or, or songs, R&B songs about, you know, staying with someone who's done you so dirty and so wrong, but you're willing to make it work. You know, we, we just, you know, we have, we have to pull our, we have to really think about our, our realistic world, but when we're constantly, you know, in front of so many different medias, it's easy to, mm-hmm. to not really recognize what is healthy and what is, you know, what's toxic. Yep. And the reality is narcissists take advantage of that very thing every day. Um, but thank you, Queen. It's been an amazing show. I want to share. We are kicking <laughs> off our Black Love Summer Tour uh, next Friday, July 19th. If you're in the Atlanta area, please come out to Urban Grind. Um, and the next day, we're going out to the, I always say I have the smartest event in the city, but the best event in the city is quarterly, the Village Market ATL. The next day, July 20th, at the Georgia Freight Depot. So we're going to have conversations on Friday night about loving ourselves. The next day we're going to show love to black businesses, and we have a couple more things online. Go to mentaldialogue.com to find that. Thank you all. It's been a great show. All I ask is that you think. Thank you, Soul Squad. Thank you, Kim.